Hello everyone, I am Rafaela Tanconi and this is our Off Balance podcast series, turning maternity penalty into a career dividend. Our final panel is about is with two incredible speakers that are experts in emotional, physical and mental well-being. And the reason why I wanted to add them to our program is because I think it does take a certain particular skill to value it and to learn how to keep it. So I wanted you to get their insights on, on experience and technique and what they have, they have learned uh, over the course of their experience. One of our speakers is already online, Nikita Fernandes. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you, how are you? Thank Lovely. You. <laughs> <laughs> so Nikita, you are an expert on emotional intelligence, Yeah. right? Yes. Perfect. So before we get the conversation going, I want to have a little bit of parallel conversation that I think will make then your role even more interesting. So what I observed in the data as well as speaking with people is that, you know, all of this digital interaction and greater flexibility in the workplace puts, it, it creates new challenges for people and for people's career, right? So there are new ways of interacting. So yeah. There are new ways of socializing. You have a lot more network potentially, right? Because you can then be connected with anybody globally. Yeah. So an incredible number of people. And so how do you interact that in a way that is constructive for your life? That I think that's a, that's a new skill that you need to handle. In my professional perspective, what I notice is, is an enormous barrier is that you just have to feed more information. Even if the only thing that we do is to talk on, on Facebook all day, you know, that in itself is, is an enormous amount of information that you need to process, store, assess, yeah. right? And that is already having effects at the aggregate level. I think on, on a personal level, I'm sure that you are, you're much more of an expert than will seek your insight. But on an economic level, I do see evidence of uh, both of the burnout and the distrust. Mm -hmm. On the burnout, because we do see the data saying people are changing jobs, are trying to, you know, some of them are dropping out. And in terms of distrust, from data that we have collected, we know that people are seeking cryptocurrencies, for example, as a way to shield away from inflation fears or the fact that they distrust what is going on at the institutional level. We see dollarization of deposits. So we, we do see a lot of signs of distrust. And this distrust actually has a, an enormous financial cost for, mm -hmm. for economies in the aggregate. And, and I think people have not yet connected fully the dots of, of the two things. So what I would like, as Patricia seems to have disappeared. <laughs> so Patricia is an expert on physical and mental uh, balance. I think both of you are nice compliment to each other because you, you both work with people on try to 
find uh, the right way forward and you have complementary skills. So tell us your perspective on, uh, on these changes that I was, I was mentioning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Well, I, I do agree with you on many, many levels here, which is the digital world, the expanding of our work and personal lives into the kind of global environment because our, our world was limited initially. And now with the pandemic, there are a lot of good things that have come along as well with the Zoom and everything because now I can work with people like you who are far away from me. But that has its own well, cons as well in so, some ways, um, because I think that, yes, and I think initially you did mention this, which is without us knowing so very much unconsciously, there's a lot of information that is fed into us. Now, we don't know our brains are processing subconsciously. So it could be work-related, it could be personal lives as well. When I scroll through even WhatsApp for that matter, because I don't use a lot of social media, but when I scroll through WhatsApp and there's family group, there's school friends group, there's university friends group, there's things that are going on. And I, I look at personal feed and I, if it's people that I care for, people that I love and something's not going totally right, it makes me worry on certain level. Oh, my sister's pregnant. She's, her pregnancy is having ups and downs and that does bother me on certain level. Likewise, if it's work related, oh God, they haven't done this yet. I send that email three times and this still hasn't been done. That bothers me as well. So there's so much information that goes in and it's being processed by your brain. You don't know it consciously because consciously I might be cooking and thinking, oh, should I add lemon to this recipe or not? But subconsciously my brain's doing all this work thinking, yeah, but they haven't sent the email yet. You're going to have the consequences of that. You're going to have to deal with that tomorrow. So all of that is going on. As you rightly said, it can lead to a burnout without you even realizing and there's this exhaustion because of information overload which probably didn't happen um, just a few probably decades ago or even years ago. If you wanted to not be bothered by this, if you wanted to be on holiday and not be bothered by any of this, you just don't pick up the newspaper, don't read, the, don't look at the news channel, that was it. But now the second you carry everything, you carry the world in, your, in the palm of your hand. So you can't really escape it no matter what you do. So there is a bit of information overload which we actually don't recognize consciously and it does affect us in a lot of different ways. So yeah, I agree with you on that one for sure. Great, Patricia, can't you give us uh, just a, a few minutes of introduction? We kind of already started the, the discussion. Yeah. Um, and, but, but really I wanted for you to, to make evident your different skills, your experience, and for you to lead the conversation where you think is most appropriate. Cause I, I believe you both have already some ideas. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Nikita and I, we had a nice chat uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, so, well, uh, well, as you know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a personal trainer and um, and Pilates teacher and life coach and um, and uh, and all and and working at the moment. Um, I'm developing a workshop which is uh, for the female and it's will call the female hormonal balance. And this is actually what we are actually what this is about. It's about the balance. 
And for me, that's key in life for everything, a balance. Once you got your balance right, everything will work well within the body, within the mind, within your your life. So this is what I'm working on, on right now. My question here, so... Um, but I know that Nikita has a special uh, field about, you know, preparing. Uh, well, we actually, let's put it this way. Nikita and I, we were discussing how a social network for mothers dealing with, you know, uh, childcare, uh, their careers and everything. And how can they make it work besides having a partner? But, you know, some women don't have a partner who is really like cooperating or they don't have a partner at all. So how can you have a great social network, not to feel lonely, not being overwhelmed or ending up with a burnout uh, because there's so much you have to organize in your life with the children and, and with your work. So Nikita here is, is actually the expert in this field in how to build such social network, isn't it, uh, Nikita? Well, um, thank you for, for that lovely introduction. But yeah. We had not jumped into anything just yet. But oh, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> I did have a very lengthy chat um, last week. It was meant to be just a high hello, but we both had lovely uh, kind of ideas that we could connect on. And uh, it was amazing talking to Patricia. So what we were talking about is as as uh, Rafaela and Patricia has introduced me, uh, I do train in emotional intelligence and uh, especially here, considering this particular platform, the maternity is, is one topic and why is, is emotional intelligence important in this yeah. phase of anyone? Well, emotional intelligence, to be honest, is in my view, a must have for everyone, for your personal and professional lives, not just for, for, your, for your professional development, men or women for sure, or, or any other gender for that matter. But especially if you're talking about maternity, I think it's usually important because let's just put it this way. You can, you can do away with everything, but you can't do away with your emotions. They're there and they're there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is to work with your emotions, to firstly recognize them and then to acknowledge them and work with them. And that's where emotional intelligence comes into play. And I used to, of all the people, I used to be the person to think that this is the least important thing because I'm not an emotional person myself. I do not wear my heart on my sleeves. I don't cry often. I don't talk about my emotions. I'm not emotional at all. In my family, my sister's the emotional one. It's always been like that. So I thought this is the least important thing and emotions are to be left at the door when you enter your workplace. I don't like sissies at work. And all of this was me. And then after having a baby, I realized that- You I have emotions. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to ignore, I just wanted to like, no, this is not it. Let me use my logical brain and think about what I'm going to do to deal with the situation. Yeah. I found out that it, it doesn't work like that because I don't want to go deep into the science of it, but if this is your brain, uh, Stuart Shankar explains it beautifully. If this is your brain, this is your brain stem. This is your reptilian brain, which you share with all other animals, basically, because um, that's for survival. You've got the amygdala in the middle, and that's yeah. your prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking part of your brain, which is which evolved later. So as as 
the human race evolved, we first just had this part of the brain and the emotions that did the job of uh, keeping you safe for survival. So if you, if you um, picked a flower which had thorns on it, it pricked you, it made you feel, ouch, that hurts. And that emotion stayed with you because that emotion is what told you, don't do that again, because it doesn't make you feel good. Or if you did something good, which is found amazing berries and that made you feel full, that made you kind of, yay, wow. So that emotion, again, reminded you, do more of this because that makes you feel good. So that's why emotions are really important. You can't do without them because they help you survive. They tell you what you need more of and what you don't need more of. And to put that in today's context, because we don't we know what berries to pick and we don't have to walk miles to find the right berries. You can go to Tesco's and you know get your berries. But the point is now in today's world, if I do something and it makes me happy, for example, playing with my child, it makes me happy. Seeing her giggle makes me happy. I know I want to do more of it. And when I used to drop her off at nursery and seeing her cry and scream, mm. I knew that's not what I want. I definitely don't want to do more of that. And that's what made me come to a decision. Okay, what is it that I really want? When you recognize your emotions, acknowledge them and want to work with them, then you know, okay, what is it that I want in life and what is it that I don't want? So seeing my daughter cry and scream at the door of the nursery made me decide, now I want to be a stay-at-home mom because I don't want to see her crying every single day like that. And vice versa, when I used to play with her, take her um, on the bicycle and everything, and she used to giggle, she used to point at things, she was not verbal at that stage. That made me feel, wow, this is rewarding. I love this experience. And that is what made me realize what is it that I wanted in life. And I'm not preaching here that everyone should be a stay-at-home mom. Um, you can choose what you want to do, but it's these emotions that help you make the right choice. Because I see a lot of women out there making their decisions based on what the society dictates. It's the right thing to do. You become a stay-at-home mom. You need to breastfeed. That's the right thing to do. No, it's not the right thing to do. There's no right or wrong in this. There's no clear black and white answer. What might suit me might not suit somebody else. No, no. You make your decisions exactly based on how you feel about it. What's your take on that? And the, bo the bottom line of all this is help you decide what is it that you want, what is it that you don't want, what is it that you like, what is it that you don't like. And self-awareness is, is what's needed there. So yes, it's your emotional intelligence that will firstly help you recognize what you want and then take you further in life to, to get what you want and in, in, a, in a way that is not hurtful to anybody around you as well. And if you want to do a bit of both, which is what I ended up doing later, which is a bit of my career and a bit of my child, that's fine too. But when you do that, you need to be able to do that tactfully. And that's, again, that's when emotional intelligence comes in play to help you how to navigate your way around your personal and your professional life and to keep yourself kind of grounded. So that's, that's mm -hmm. where um, I wanted to begin with the importance of emotional intelligence because statistics has shown us that more than 60,000 women, and we're not talking in the entire UK as well, just England and Wales, every year are diagnosed with postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. This is on NHS website. And this, is, this diagnosis, we're not talking about baby blues or anything. We're talking about proper diagnosis of postnatal depression. They need medication to get out of it. And this is the state that we, we come to. 
if we let those emotions, let all these things go unrecognized, that loneliness being, being kind of just shut away in a way because you are with your child, that's great. And I used to think before having a child, when I had heard of postnatal depression in antenatal class, that's the first time I heard this word. I was thinking, what, are you mad? Why would you get depressed? Because you're having this beautiful baby. Why would you ever be depressed? And I, I felt those baby blues, but because I had a lot of training in this field, I was able to recognize what I was mm -hmm. able to do. And I was able to go to the doctor and admit, hey, you know what? I think I need help at this point in time now. Because I was at university doing a full-time PhD. I was having the job and everything, having all these amazing conversations with awesome people that I used to meet. And then suddenly I was home one fine day with a day-old baby, two-month-old baby. And all I did was I was singing old McDonald's 20 times a day and changing diapers. And that's all I did. I had no intellectual stimulation which really, it, it without me knowing it, I was just, oh, broken. And well, Patricia can talk more about the hormonal changes that go through, but it's, it's for that reason, just recognizing firstly, what is it that's going on? It's not just frustration of changing 15 diapers a day. Um, it is a lot more than that. And just to recognize that, I think it's really important. It's, it's that social isolation is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that's just statistics on NHS website, which is available for everyone. But a lot of us don't know that. So. Do you think when you, because you talked about the NHS, do you think that when you were becoming a mom and you're preparing for it, was there, were they informing you about what could happen and how you could deal with it? Because this is about information. If women would be aware of it, you don't have to sit at home and be lonely and depressed. And if, if you know that the, you know what you can do about it, you know, that, that it's not just you. Yeah. Is there any information? Do they inform you about this? Now, I chose to go to antenatal classes, which mind you, not all women take up because of ah. issues, because you could yeah. be full time. So you don't have the time to go to antenatal classes as well. Now mm -hmm. I chose to go to antenatal classes, but this information was not given to me. And I'm getting, well, it could be just my antenatal class. I can't speak for the entire NHS, the area that I lived in, th this information was not given. And I'm guessing out of, this is out of kind of good intent because when you're pregnant, you want to have happy thoughts. They don't want to talk to you about, hey, by no. the way, you know, once you deliver your baby, there's a very good chance you're going to be really depressed and bad things are going to happen to you. And nobody wants to talk about that. And because half the women would run from the antenatal class and go to abortion centers, you know, you don't want to do that either. You don't want to no. scare them off. But uh, yes, some information is really necessary. And it's it's missing out there. It, no one wants to talk about it. And that's, that's the problem because... Yeah. So what do you think that could be done? Do you think that we could, you could build up like a, a platform, like on a website, social, like a social network, so moms get, get, get in touch with one another and discuss this with one another, what they go through, and maybe they can come to solutions, you know, talking to one another. Do you think that would be an idea, maybe? Um, yeah, certainly, certainly. I definitely feel that there is a need for some kind of a social network or platform. And uh, pre-pandemic, I actually won an award with Santander, um, Santander's Launchpad competition to create this kind of a platform for, for mothers, or rather fathers as well, anybody. Yeah, of course, parents. 
journey, yeah, for parents to get together because I would tell you most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, the person who's going through those problems, depression for especially, is not the one to recognize I'm having a problem. It's somebody else, their loved one would recognize it that they don't seem their usual self. And that's you would recognize, okay, this person probably needs help. And this person is the least likely to seek out that help. So that's why it's nice to have that kind of social circle people who know you, people who, who care for you to be around you. And if I, if I were with you and if I were to recognize oh, Patricia, Patricia seems really frustrated every single time I meet her, she looks tired, she's got dark, mm. she, she looks exhausted. I could probably have a word with you or I could probably call somebody, there could be a midwife in the circle. Um, yeah. You know what, you want to have a word with Patricia. Yeah. And there could be nothing, but better safe than sorry. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's going to help not just the parents who are concerned, but um, if all these parents, and that's what that was the point of the antenatal class, and then you go on to um, the postnatal ones and the child's children's center and all these places. Because what happens is if I'm with the same circle of women that I form these connections with during antenatal, all of our babies were kind of due around the same time. We mm. worked at the same children's center because we were in the local area. So we became very good friends. And our babies also, because they were same age, became very good friends. So it's beneficial not just for the parents, but for the babies to kind of have that social life as well. Because imagine the mother being socially isolated with her child. Whatever the mother is going through, the child is going through that as well. Yeah. Remember that. And and of course, once that circle is forged, it's it's the parent who's benefiting, it's the baby who's benefiting, and also the society at large, because if this breaks down, the parent and the child, it's the taxpayer's money that's going towards fixing it, first of all. So we're talking financial here purely. Yeah, but yeah. Society is, is losing out a resource. This mother, this parent could have been a person who contributes to the larger society. And now that opportunity is gone. And if you're thinking, well, it's one person, what's the big deal? It's not one person. We're talking about 60,000 women every single year. And we don't even have the count for the, for the fathers because they go through that too. We yeah. don't have for that because they don't actually go through the labor. So we don't no. have that. And um, it's, it's, we're talking minimum 60,000 women a year. So, and that's just in England and Wales. We're talking a huge number of people. Yeah. Actually, who can be an asset to our society, becoming more of a liability to themselves and their children and to the society at large. So mm-hmm. definitely some kind of a social platform that supports these women would be amazing. Now, unfortunately, the pandemic, um, I could not exercise what I was planning to do because if I'm saying, let's all get together, when the government's saying social isolation, you need to be at home and uh, all of that, it was not going to work, you see. But definitely having um, a way to support one another is definitely the way forward. Yeah, yeah. And and what we, what we also discussed the other day uh, was about, you know, like, let's talk about our careers, you know, we, 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 the three of us, we, we all, I don't have any children here, but I'm, I'm just looking after all those women who have children or going through hormonal changes. 
but um, having a career, uh, no matter if you're self-employed or you know uh, you are being employed, how does that work with um, how can you work in an intelligent way and being emotional stable, but as well, you need to look after your children. So you have a busy career, but you also have your children. And of course, with together with your partner, you have to sort this out. But how can you make this work and having a career as well? So how can you actually question is how can you have a family and have spending some happy time with your children your children to be uh, grow up healthy and 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 all and spending time with your your uh, partner but as well having a career so i know that you are advising uh, schools isn't it yeah. what is it what you do to you know to support women having a career having a job and and you know looking after their children at the same time okay before i um give you my opinion I'm going to digress a little bit just so that to give you a bit of context okay because yeah. um, I want to tell you that I have been in all of these situations so I've been well prior to having a baby I've been an employee who was trying yes. to support others then I've been a new mother who was trying to get back into career with my childcare responsibilities and then when my once my daughter was old enough my daughter's 12 now so um she's pretty much independent in fact she wants to be like just leave me alone type so <laughs> now I have all the time in the world uh, and that's why I'm here as well so so yeah um so I've been in all all different places where and I've been an employer who was trying to support women who because I went through that phase where I was desperately trying to get a job and it was hard. It was really difficult to get back into work once you've had that career break and to manage your childcare responsibilities and wanting to work flexibly and all of that. Nobody wants that. So, so I've been an employer who wanted to support these women as well because I myself had a hard time. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my experience, a taste of yeah. how I felt. Okay. So before I had a child of my own, I, um, I was asked by people who had children of their own, oh, could you please cover my shift today because I've got to do blah, 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 okay? Um, they had to go take care of their children. And now it was, had they, had they said to me, my child is sick today, I would normally, when somebody said my child is sick today, can I, I need to go home early, can you please cover my shift? I'd happily do that. But if they said, oh, my child's uh, participating in this ballet contest and I need to go uh, take photos and attend the concert and all that, I'd be like, that's not fair. You know, because I, I, I had plans. I wanted to go out for a dinner date with my partner. And now you want to go see your daughter's ballet or whatever. So I have to cover for you. No, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. It's not an emergency. You should have planned for this. Okay. But so I did not. I wanted to be that person who wanted to say no. But just because I couldn't say no, I was like, oh, I'll do it. But I did not like doing that. Honestly, I did not like covering for somebody who said to me they wanted to go attend their daughter's ballet concert or whatever. Because I used to think that, listen, you chose to have children, okay? If this was like a death in your family or something, I'd go out of my way to support you. But this is something you, you brought it upon yourself. You had this coming, okay? You saw this coming, you should have planned it well. You, can, you cannot eat your cake and have it too. It doesn't work like that. You chose to have children. So now you decide whether you want your career or you want to look after your children and do the ballet concert, sports day, football and cooking concert. You decide. You can't have career and both, so pick. 
And there were times when I was not willing to be so supportive just because I thought they should have made their choices. Then I had my kids, well, my daughter, and uh, I was in that position where I, I needed help. But because I had been through this experience myself, I was very cautious of asking for that help. I at times felt guilty asking for that help. And I have missed my daughter's sports day and whatnot just because I did not feel good asking for that help. When my, when my daughter was sick, I would definitely ask for that help, but not otherwise. And that's what I feel that sometimes if you've made that choice, you've got to be really conscious about how you want to go about it. Because if you're saying I want to have a full-time career and still look after my child and attend all the concerts and everything, then you know, every there are women who've made that choice that no, you know what, I want to progress in my career and that's why I'm not going to have children. And I respect that choice too. And if that's a brave decision to make. And if they've made that decision, you know, hats off to them. And then people who haven't made that decision, then telling them, you got to, you got to cover for me because, because I've made another decision. Well, that's not fair to those people then. So really got to think about that too. So because I had troubles um, asking for help and all that, then I decided once my daughter was kind of pretty much independent, I thought, you know, I'm going to be the person now. I'm going to grow. I obviously I had grown in myself. I thought I'm going to be the person who supports everybody. I'm definitely going to be the supportive one. And um, being an employer, I decided to give a chance to women who came back after a long career gap. So if I saw on their CV, they had a, a long career gap, eight years missing, nothing on their CV. Obviously, I would ask in the interview, what happened in these eight years? There's nothing on your CV. There's a massive gap. Well, did you go to prison or like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Because I had kids, I wanted to look after them and blah, blah, blah. Great, brilliant. Okay. And um, it took you eight years to come back. No, I could not find work last year. No one wants to take um, a new mother and because you, know, you take time off work, flexible hours, blah, blah. So, okay, I'll, I'll give you work. So I, I employed, I deliberately, it was positive discrimination in my view, but I employed these women. And um, I'm not going to say, uh, I probably people are going to hate me for saying this, but I don't know if this was the best decision, okay? Because what happened was all these women who, who I employed, and I work in education, so it's a female dominant area, 50 female teachers working with me. I, I employed a ton of these young mothers and on and off, the school phone's ringing, your son's got chicken pox, can you come pick him up? I was like, oh my God, all right, go, go, just go. I'll, I'll cover for you. So, uh, you know, some other day, again, uh, someone's got this uh, head lice in the class, they got to go home. This happened, got to go home. And when these mothers are going home, you know who's covering for them? It's me. And when they go home to take care of their children, you know who has to stay home alone? It's my child. And I thought this is not fair. I'm covering for everyone so they can be with their children. And my child doesn't get to see her mother and that's not fair. So then the next time I had to employ someone, I thought, no, that's it. Good Nikita is bye-bye. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hire someone who's not had kids, does not look pregnant, has, is not married, <laughs> no intention of having kids. That too was risky because it's a woman, she could change her mind any second. It takes like, you know, overnight you could fall pregnant. Like I'm only going to hire men. I had a male person come in for an interview, um, not so qualified. I was still quite keen on hiring him. He comes in for the interview and says, I almost hired him. I said, okay, you start at nine o'clock on Monday. And he goes, oh, sorry, can I please start at 9.30? Because I have to drop off my kid to school and then come. I'm a single father. <laughs> oh, no, this had to be me. Well, <laughs> this happens. This does happen. And you go through all these, you want to help people, but there's a limit to it. 
So yeah. what, so coming from all these places now, what I'm trying to say is there are people who would want to help you, but there's a limit to it. You want to probably ask help, but you also feel conscious and guilty sometimes asking that help because you know when, when enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And people who are helping you, please be mindful that they are sacrificing something else to make up for your shift, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a good way of doing this would be to get somebody else who's exactly in your shoes to help you out because they are the ones who would understand your pain Mm -hmm. and who would be willing to help you and you can then return the favor as well so Mm -hmm. when I went through all these phases I then came up with this network for myself and that's what I wanted to do for everybody else and that was the idea that I proposed to Santander so I made friends with uh, my daughter's friends, moms, whether I like them or I don't like them, I made a conscious effort to like them. And six, seven of these ladies, I made friends with them, really good friends, invited them over for tea so many times. And after that, we made like a pact. Okay. Monday is my pickup day. Every Monday, I pick up all these seven girls from school at 3 p.m., bring them home and give them tea, snack, make sure they've done their homework. And then their parents can come pick them up from my place whenever they pick them up. That's about it. Tuesday is somebody else's day, person B, person C, person C, person mm-hmm. So which meant the only day that I need to work for a time and be rigid with my schedule and come home no matter what at 2.45 to pick up girls at three is Monday. But all the rest of the days, I have the freedom to work flexibly. I can do overtime. I can do whatever I want to do because I know my daughter A is safe because I could have done this with a child minder, but A, I'm losing out money. And B, I know she's with someone she doesn't maybe or maybe not fancies being with. But here now I know she's with her friends, with somebody I trust and know as well. So I know what she's doing there. And that worked really beautifully for all of us because we were asking and returning favor equally. So there was no guilt involved. It was a pact. It was more like a pact. So we knew exactly what we were doing. Everyone trusted each other. No money was being wasted and the children were safe and happy and that was important to me that my child is with someone she's happy with so so that worked really well and that's exactly what I wanted to basically come to that having that social circle that is supportive is so important because your employer might or might not be very supportive Uh, I wish all employers can be understanding and supportive but if they are not then please forgive them because they might be someone like me who to help out but then they have their own kids or other responsibilities as well and somewhere they think look you made that choice it yeah. wasn't an accident you chose to have kids so well you know make your choices wisely then so so that's what it is so if you've made that choice to have kids make another choice to have friends with kids yeah. you can rely on and <laughs> that's well that's that's a, that's smart but that's emotional intelligence that's emotion uh, that's uh, intelligent planning like okay i made that choice uh, you you are responsible but you can just do something by connecting and that's the social network we were just earlier talking about you know uh just start to make a social network and and you know make sure that your child and anyone else's child is going to be okay. Exactly. So remember what we what we said to each other about it takes a, a village to raise a child. Exactly, exactly. You but, create your own village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and as I'm saying, if, if this group of women is, is what is kind of your circle, it's, it's, 
it's the pack of hyenas that kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're acting as a pack, you're doing, you're hunting together, you're doing things together and it's helpful. Yeah. So, and it's, it's that looking out for each other as well, which is yeah. needed. Yeah. Now, if I asked you that question, Patricia, if, yeah. if you were to advise these women to, because it's one, on one hand, yes, that emotional support is so much needed yeah. Yeah. because yes, you're going through a lot. And then of course, to recognize and know what is it that your bodies need? What, yeah. would, what would you advise these mothers or women especially? Um, um, well, of course, it's very individual. You know, we all uh, have different needs and uh, different situations where you will find yourself in. And, and some, you know, if I look at my own clients, some women, they do need, uh, they do need coaching, life coaching, but they also might need some physical work and you might need to have a look at their whole lifestyle so it's very individual so I can't say this works good the other thing I could say and this is for for every human being not just women but what is important to find a good balance and this is the thing a good balance so a good balance in your sleep and 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 rest and it's not just relaxation, uh, it's not just sleeping, it also means to find time in between everywhere to have a moment for you. Because this is the thing, and I think as well when you're a mom, and you're having a career, and your family, the whole thing, there is no more you. Yeah. You're a mom, and you are your job, you are someone's partner. But what, what about you? What about the Nikita, the Sarah, the Jane, the, you know, about you? And you can create that moment by just choosing a moment in the week and to say, now I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to have a spa uh, treatment. I'm going to have a massage. Or maybe I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a medita- meditation moment, or I'm listening to music, or I'm going to grab a book, or I'm going to have a walk in the park, but just you, for you. And I think this is very important to spend as well some time, to, to, even if it's just even 20 minutes, because I know it can be very busy, even 20 minute you time, you know, just get yourself somewhere and, and relax and do something you, what makes you relax. and. Apart from that, any physical stuff you're struggling with, maybe you've got hormonal imbalance. Yeah. That might be as well, you know? I mean, that's why I said it's very individual. Maybe you are very balanced in hormones, but there are other stuff going on. But I can imagine when you have children or you just went through birth or whatever, there's a lot of hormonal changes taking place. And that is also affecting your emotional state. Yeah, exactly. So if your hormones are not in balance, that will make you very emotional. You can be the most uh, rational-minded woman, woman on this planet and being very well organized. But as soon as you, you go through pregnancy, you went through your birth, it takes a year for your, your hormones to be in balance. So, and even so with children, you, you be, and with your monthly cycles as well, you're more emotional, isn't it? So it's a good thing to start to have a look at your hormonal balance to see, well, what am I missing here? Am I missing some kind of supplements? Maybe you can add some supplements to your diet. And of course, exercise, very important to exercise, to bring back, you know, exercise as well, good full state, your mental well-being. Uh, it's very good to feel more relaxed after that. If you're very, very stressed, it's really good for a stress relief. 
So yeah, it's all about the balance. You're, you're exercising, what do you eat? Uh, how well do you sleep? How well are you taking time off for yourself? And that's, that's the whole thing. And especially, I think, especially for women, it's very important because we're going through a monthly cycle. Whether you've got children or not, you're going through a monthly cycle. And this will affect some women more than others. Some women are more stable in their hormonal levels throughout this cycle, but a lot of women are not. And this is something that you could discuss, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I'm doing with my female clients to see, okay, where are you in life? How is your hormonal cycle? How is your, uh, and apart from all the stress you've got already with having a family and your career. Yeah. And, and that all together is really, you need to get that back in balance. Yeah. Uh, I, I love what you said here, and I'm just going to add for people who are more like me. I don't know uh, if there's anyone like me, which by which I'm... Absolutely. <laughs> what I mean is I was brought up in a culture where I saw my mother nonstop, okay? I have never yeah. seen my mother take a, either a minute for herself or even spend a penny on herself. Like she would wear her shoes till... They were absolutely worn out. And if they fall out of her feet, that's when she'd care to buy a pair of new shoes. But we had all kinds of shoes. I had pink shoes, purple shoes, black shoes, everything to go with every outfit. Well, my mom never did that for herself. She spent on the entire family to do everything for the whole family and work full time, work at home, do everything. She was like a superwoman. And seeing that, I thought this is exactly how I need to be. Now, I, I am not sure if this is where it's coming from, but I think that's where it's coming from. And if I do any less than that, I feel inadequate within myself. So if I ever sit down for a cup of tea, yeah. I absolutely feel guilty. I don't feel good in myself. Rather than resting, I feel I, I come out feeling more stressed than ever before. Yeah. I don't have time. I, I love listening to Audible or um, podcasts and whatnot. And that's why in spite of having a dishwasher, I tend to do the dishes myself because then I'm listening to something and doing something. So I feel less guilty. I feel like, no, but I'm working. I'm not just sitting and listening to a podcast. I'm working. And that's, that's, that's my way to beat the guilt. And this is exactly how I ended up almost depressed in a therapist's office. And that's when she told me, okay, that's why she deduced this is probably where I got it from seeing my mother work nonstop. I now feel need to work nonstop to feel good about myself. Otherwise, I'm no good. If I'm sitting up with my feet up um, or look at my nails, they're mommy nails. I've never done a manicure all my life. Um, it's if I ever do, yes, you're talking about spa and meditation and all of that. If I ever sit to even cut my nails, it's like, oh my God, I wasted two minutes. I could have done something else in two minutes. And that's how it is. So what my therapist told me really helped me to actually take that time for myself because before yeah. that, I never did. What she told me is, why, why do you think that it's important for you to work nonstop? And I said, my role model is my mother. I have never seen my mother exhausted, complaining or nothing. And if she could do all of it, why can't I? I I feel exhausted after doing three things. Forget the whole day. After doing first three things in the morning, just cooking breakfast, I feel like, oh, I want to sit down. But my mother's never been like that. So maybe something's wrong with me. And that's when I learned the importance of emotional intelligence as well. My mother never, she probably was exhausted, knackered, shattered. Yeah, yeah. How old is that? She never showed those emotions. 
because we think that showing emotions is a sign of weakness it is not it's definitely not what i learned from my mother was to to be a superwoman to hide my feelings and to be a superwoman and when i tried doing that deep within i was not feeling good because i was exhausted so then the therapist so i said no but as long as i can i will keep going okay so the therapist said okay great when your daughter's your age say 25 um do you want your daughter to be exactly like you or do you want your daughter to be less tired i said no of course i love her i want her to be less tired than what i am she said now do you think your daughter's going to be like you or not like you i said i don't get it so she said you learned from your mother to be a superwoman and never to pause because pausing is a sign of weakness crying showing emotions is a sign of weakness what's your daughter going to do is she well, so i'll tell her not to do that she says she's going to learn from what you say or what you show mm. and of course we all know not just kids anybody we learn from what we see not what we hear so so i didn't want my daughter to be another my mother which is a superwoman trying to do everything mm-hmm. at the same time and at the end of the day feeling so exhausted that oh i don't want to get up next morning no i want to be a role model for my daughter that it is okay to to once in a while pause it's okay to to say i'm tired it's okay to, to tell your partner or your child to help out or somebody else to help out that's all okay so now exactly what you're saying patricia taking a bit of that me time i do yeah. i tell my family hey you know what it and watch one episode on netflix but please don't bother me i, I just want to relax a little bit I got myself a very expensive and a very fancy massage chair and everything. I got this room redecorated. It's my room now. It's my we call it the chillax room. It's my I still find the background and everything. <laughs> massage chair. So it's my chillax room and I do take time for myself because that's what yeah. I want you to learn that it's okay to take time for yourself. You don't have to kind of power through everything. when you're zero on battery level it doesn't work like that so looking no. up self care is so 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 important because you can't pour out of an empty cup can you no no you can't and the thing is you need to stay healthy as well to be able to look after your children but because what's going to happen if you be very highly demanding actually because this is what you do you're very highly demanding do it to yourself because you want to have you want to have your career you want to have your children you want to be the perfect mom you you want to be that superwoman but that's that's fictional that's not real that's not reality that's just some kind of from a comic strip superwoman and superman it doesn't exist so being so highly demanding and that's what society is now we're very highly demanding you know we need to look perfect you know we need to look perfect be beautiful and uh and have everything well organized and having a great career and having beautiful children and a lovely husband and uh and yeah we can just do it without you know uh, just a few hours of sleep well forget about it we are human beings we're not you will have days that you wake up and that you uh, feel a little bit shit yeah. because you know you got like a city with the monthly cycle you have days in your monthly cycle that the uh, there is a certain imbalance a natural imbalance in the hormones which makes you feel a little bit more sluggish a little bit more tired and then you're going to wake up and say why do i feel this way have i done something wrong and i can't i'm not allowed to feel this way because i need to be cheerful and i need to be wonderful and 
but that's not what it is that's not how our bodies work this is not what life is all about so we need to 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 you know like you know that song i'm only human after all you're only human after all you will have days you're not feeling well you need to ask for support you need to ask for help and say to your partner listen you know today i can't manage it can you help out ask a friend, ask another mom, ask your own mom, uh, anyone within, and that's why it's important to have that lovely social no network, just to say, okay, these days, you know, yeah, I need that support. I can't manage today. And be, and be, be honest, be honest, communicate, say clearly, okay, I can't. And like you said before, it's not a weakness. It's just human. It's human, it's very human. We are, we are driven by emotions. You can't just say, I'm not emotional. You only can say that if you're a psychopath. <laughs> Psychopaths are, you know, not showing, they don't give a shit. And that whole thing, like you said about your mom, my mom was the same. My mom was like, always, it was always about us and no, and she's still, still like that. It's yeah. always about first children, first anyone else, and then me. But it gave her a high blood pressure, you know, and it, it's going to affect your health, you know, being always that strong and always, you know, not having that me time, not saying, well, listen, I need to recover now. Because once again, what is, what is it going to be good to anyone else around you, whether it's your family or the people you work with, you know, your employers or your fellow uh, co-workers, if you're not well, if you're going to end up with a burnout, if you if you can't deliver, so what's the point in that? True, so, true. I, I totally agree with you. And this whole thing about not revealing your true self because it it might be seen as a sign of weakness that that's that's what drives us. And I think we've all grown up. At least I have grown up hearing this thing that yeah, there's no place for emotions. Emotions um, is a sign of weakness especially in the workplace, you want to talk about data, not how you feel. And um, honestly speaking, the reason, and I used to thoroughly believe this, okay, because I am not the emotional person. I do not normally demonstrate my emotions, uh, or at least not used to. Let's talk about it in the past tense. And I, I grew up thinking that was true. A sign of a true leader or a strong person is a person who can logically just tell you do this, do that, and does not show any, reveal at least their emotions. And I thought that's, that's strength. When I was working as an intern, I'm not going to name the company, but it's a big, um, I was working as a chartered accountant. So I, um, I was working with my line manager who I could tell visibly looked freaked out. Okay. There was something not right. I, till date, I still don't know what was not right, but he, they visibly looked freaked out. When I asked them, is everything okay? And they said, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Now that created a huge, huge, huge mistrust. I did not want to trust this person again because clearly something's not right. There's a sea of emotion within you and you're not telling me, you're telling me everything's fine. The first thing that came to me was, am I being fired? And well, luckily I did not get fired. So I still till date haven't found out what had gone wrong. It could have been something in their personal life. It could have been something in, in the workspace. I don't know. And, but I am not willing to trust that person because you just lied to my face. First of all, that makes me feel that you think I'm stupid. I'm going to buy that lie of you. You think I'm stupid. That's insulting to me. And if you think that of me, I don't want to trust you anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge mistrust in the workplace if you don't tell what's going on. But at the same time, I, I'm not 
advocating that people go in and start crying tears, no. tears bucket full of tears and of your colleagues saying, oh my God, things are not going well in my life. No, you don't have to do that. But be upfront and honest. You can say, well, um, just like a captain on the plane, when yeah. you see the turbulence, what does the captain say? You don't, he, he doesn't, he's honest with you. He says, okay, we're going through a bit of turbulence. Yeah. But well, it will keep your seatbelts fastened. It'll be all fine. Enjoy the rest of your flight. You don't yeah. hear him freaking out going, oh my God, the plane's rattling. I have no idea what's going to happen. Please, please, please hold on to your seatbelts. No, that's not what he says. He's honest, but in a kind of composed manner. He's all together. And that all together, being that all together, you can do that with emotional intelligence. But being honest is the least we can do. As a leader, you can... Be frank with your team. Okay, we've got this deadline. It's stressing me out a little bit right now, but I've got a plan. I'm going to get through this. Okay, that is what a leader can do. You can tell them we've got a plan and I will get everyone through this. And that's that's good leadership because you're being honest. Okay, the deadline is stressing me out a little bit, but we'll get through it. But if you say, ah, no, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. And people see that you're freaking out. You're kind of, sending emails left, right, center, one line emails, no thank you, no please. People know you're freaking out, okay? They're not idiots out there. So, so be upfront, be honest, own up to your emotions. And I think that will get you through your journey. And that's not just for women, but especially for women, because you know, once after having kids and all, you go through a lot, there's a lot going on at home. I worry constantly about my daughter. And uh, I do go, go to school sometimes or go to work sometimes and tell them that, my daughter's gone to school, but she was not feeling too well today, this morning. So if I get a phone call from the school, I'm sorry, I'll have to go. But I will make up for those hours by working at home. And yeah. You are in professions, but you can't work from home. No. But then you can promise to compensate for that, for, for offering somebody else to cover their shift the next day. If somebody else is covering your shift today because you have to go home early, you tell them. You offer that favor straight away. You tell them, you know, next week, Monday, I will cover your shift. And I will do that. So you don't wait for one fine day I might cover your shift. Yes, one fine day, they have an emergency, you cover their shift too. But return that favor straight away and they will feel good about it that you recognize that they've done your favor. Yeah. And that would work. Okay. Thank you, ladies. This conversation was fascinating, absolutely. <laughs> and I have to say, you've seen me smile several times because of course I feel the pain. And of course, Patricia has been by my side for, for a long time. So, you know, she knows me better than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Was there any final line that you wish to have just before I wrap up today? Well, I just think that uh, it is important to acknowledge your emotions. Don't feel guilty for having any emotions even emotions such as jealousy sadness whatever it is don't feel guilty for them acknowledge your emotions and that's when you can work with them um there is no emotion that is all your emotions are there to help you so don't and don't don't feel guilty just own up to your emotions be honest composed in a way and yeah ask for help when you need that yeah well i could say so many things but the things i i find once again important is to find the right balance you know in work relaxation and action and uh, not taking action and the whole thing so just 
the, to find the balance in your life that I think that's the key to anything. Great. Thank you so much for your time, for participating and uh, for your contributions. Well, thank you so for inviting us. It's been a really uh, interesting conversation and, and meeting new people like, like Nikita. I mean, uh, absolutely uh, wonderful uh, to uh, have met you, uh, Nikita. <laughs> and I loved all the speakers. It was amazing. Thank you. Great. Thank so, you. Thank you for joining us. I would like to perhaps just summarize, you know, for the mothers, it's really a lot about discipline, seeking help, not be shy about it and really vocalize the, mm. the experience. We really do try to create a framework so that everybody can vocalize their experience. I think that's very important emotionally <laughs> and also for, for communication. But, but on the bigger picture, since I am on a mission to make sure that people understand how critically important it is to invest in human capital in this historical time, mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of the points that we have touched today uh, really apply to everyone. You know, seek career breaks, you know, when is needed. Seek, seek break. Don't stop educating yourself. Seek that creativity, you know, and the network that supports your, your creativity. Embrace your emotions because they're signaling danger and happiness. And it's exactly the same method actually applies to, to science in itself. And, uh, and I think Nikita kind of made this point several times. Pretend and extend does not work, <laughs> does not yield real solutions. I definitely learned that on all of my different sides of life. And I think it applies to policymaking as well. Pretend and extend that we are not facing a massive change due to digitalization does not work. We need to have new solutions and to have new solutions, everybody has to be able to participate, not just part of society, not just the most visible part of society, not just the most mainstream part of society. We must all participate. Otherwise, that distrust that feeds in and that is going to be really quite nuclear. So thank you very much again. All the best. Bye bye.